0: Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 Podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined, as always, by Nate Atkins. This is the first impressions edition coming to you from a Houston-area hotel. Uh, the Colts beat the Houston Texans 31-20 to 20 today. Um, the big news today is ultimately the, the health of Anthony Richardson. He had a concussion. Uh, it happened on his second touchdown run. Um, he, he was hit on the way in, fell back. Uh, it looked like his head kind of snapped back as he hit the turf. Uh, was in for two more series and then and then uh, left the game after self-reporting his symptoms. Um, obviously, we'll get into this on this podcast. It's probably the best place to start, too. Is just um, with Richardson now, you know, two games in a row where he's left the game after taking a hit. Um, it was the knee and the ankle the first time the concussion this time i think beyond whether or not like beyond the initial beyond the immediate injury and what he's dealing with i think the biggest thing is just um you know a, a kid who's probably got to learn to protect
1: himself a little better yeah, it's interesting to take it back to the start of the week where you know he finished his first start against the jaguars last week and trevor lawrence came out in the post-game press conference and said that Anthony Richardson needs to protect himself because the hits at the NFL level are different. And that was like unfortunate foreshadowing and something that I think really is interesting insight into just how aware the best quarterbacks are of the things that Trevor Lawrence saw coming for him. Because I think Anthony saw a lot of it in himself, unfortunately, is that he seemed to have that same realization midweek when we talked to him that he said, you know, the hits are different and that he felt things he'd never felt before. And uh, you know, I even joked with him, asked if he was going to slide because he said he slid seven times in his life, and he said definitely going to slide more. You know, you spin it forward to this game, and you look at how it was going, and he had three carries for 35 yards, two touchdowns, and like one of the carries runs out of bounds. The other carry he walks into the end zone on a draw, and then the third carry he thought he was walking into the end zone on a very neat design from Shane Steichen, and that was the moment where he turns and sees MJ Stewart you know, spearing him, Trying to get him, you know, trying to knock the ball up before he goes into the end zone. I think, and that was just that—that that was a moment of like what this league is really like. Is that you always have to have your head on a swivel. You always have to finish the play, sprint as fast as you can because the hits are going to come. And the you know the guys are doing everything they can to make a play out there, and there it's going to happen to you. And so that was kind of the interesting thing was like <laughs> just seeing the way that like this team. You know, that that was the message the whole locker room has, is they understand just how critical this individual player is and his health, and that the way he plays is going to be very different from the way the rest of them play. And the best example to this was Michael Pittman Jr. You know, he kept talking about how, you know, he's telling him, you need to protect yourself, it's really important, it's the NFL. And I I pointed out, you know, it's, it's interesting because Pittman runs the exact opposite of that. Like, he is looking to go head up. he. Yeah, I've said it many times. He runs like the running back he wish he could be. Since he grew up, his dad was a running back. He was allowed to play. And Pittman had a great quote where he said, uh, uh, "Don't like, don't run like me if the entire franchise depends on you," which was uh, which is just uh, just a great understanding of where we're at with this guy and and just how critical health is. And it's like it's this going to be an interesting balance for him. We're probably always going to talk about this with him because what makes him so so great are so so talented so much potential is just outrageous athleticism and the unique ways that his coach is going to deploy that at the same time though like on almost any time he runs there's going to be some element of risk out there and how they go about unleashing that upside and managing it that's I think this game was an early window into how that's always going to be a little bit of the Anthony Richardson story is how they walk that tightrope
0: yeah I mean we, we've talked about this um, for a while, and, and Shane Steichen has kind of said that, um, you know, most quarterback injuries happen in the pocket. But I, I do think it's, it's important to push back on that just a little bit um, and say that, in general, quarterbacks who run more have had historically shorter careers. Um, Cam Newton was a starter in the NFL for eight ish years, like a legitimate, like every down starter for for eightish years, and they were good years. I'm not so like I'm, here's the thing. I'm not saying any of these are are bad. I'm just saying and we're trying to point out that you know when you're mobile that it can limit you in terms of how long you play. Randall Cunningham, if you go back and look at his Eagles days, um, Randall Cunningham was was the future uh, in the NFL for a, a couple of years, and then got hurt, and uh, you know came back later as a, as a different kind of player. Um, I can't remember who I was having this conversation with. I was having this conversation with somebody at Colts practice the other day. Uh, we were talking about the knee and the shoulder, or the knee and the ankle that, that he came out with, with a sore knee and, and sore ankle. Um, like did Lamar Jackson has now missed five games two years in a row mm-hmm. with leg injuries. Um, who am I missing?
1: I mean, Robert Griffin III. Is Robert kind of Griffin of the III is,
0: is an obvious one where his career was definitely – impacted by it
1: um i mean i feel like there's quarterbacks who did well for a while and then they just really fall off a cliff like michael vick of course his career is different from the time he missed uh with the prison sentence and when he came
0: back with the eagles he was more of a passer than yeah he had been but previous. i think it
1: does underscore the point of like think of an old running quarterback can you think of one
0: in terms of like the really, really big rushing yards, year in, year out, that we're talking about with, like, Anthony Richardson, it's hard.
1: Yeah. It's just not a – it's a style that's naturally not going to age the best. It's like – And even, like, even age. if you're
0: looking at somebody like Steve Young, who's a little bit of a weirder comparison because Steve Young spent so many years as a backup before becoming the starter, like, concussions eventually got Steve Young. That's why he had to leave. You mm-hmm. know, like, there's, there's – there's even some historical – like Cunningham, Young, there's even historical precedent going back further than just recently. I know people like to talk about running quarterbacks and mobile quarterbacks as if they just invented them with Michael Vick, but that's not exactly the truth.
1: And the other thing I would push back on is I'm sure that's statistically true that the majority of quarterback injuries are in the pocket, but the majority of quarterbacks are pocket passers. So I think the stats are going to be skewed that way a Are they bit. still – Maybe not anymore, but, Majority I don't, but if you, yeah, not today, but I think if the span you look at, um, it, just, it just all depends on the frame of reference. But I think over time, that's, I'm, I'm sure that's true. If you go back a while, but it's only in recent years that that, I feel like that that's shifted. I mean, I mean, you've seen other, other quarterbacks who, I mean, Dak Prescott, I feel like has dealt with his share of injuries. He's kind of gone from somebody who played a lot more with
0: his legs as a runner when he was younger to not doing that as much. I mean, obviously, there's a reason he had the the, the horrific leg injury, um, but that's that's one. Josh Allen started to get hurt a little bit last year. We'll mm-hmm. see if it keeps, if it continues, if he changes his play style. Like, I do think that there is a physical toll that it takes. That's more so than if you're in the pocket, um, a lot. Uh, and and I mean, th- here's the thing. This doesn't mean that like. <sighs> So I think I think one of the hardest things about doing the First Impression podcast, just to be frank with listeners, is just we spend Sundays working on X, formerly known as Twitter, formerly known as whatever you want to call it. Um, and the reactions we get on there are the most extreme reactions for the most part. So we've been seeing stuff that's like crazy. And for some reason, people on that hellscape of a website... <laughs> Which that's I know that's like the the cliche thing to say and I don't normally feel that way, but I'm feeling it today like they, they have a tendency to people who are reading that stuff have a tendency to Read meaning into tweets that are not in any way like an opinion. Oh, yeah um, And so that that is one of the frustrating things And so like you you end up doing this first impressions podcast and you feel like you're talking to people who you feel like you're talking to the extreme position Um, This is digression, I know. This is what you get with the first impressions. Um, But, like, none of this is to say that Anthony Richardson can't be successful or that he can't figure this out, or even that he can't be successful for several years even if this happens. Like, again, Cam Newton had eight good years. I think eight good years for a Colts fan from one quarterback would be a pretty big deal. Um, But it's just it has happened twice now in two games. It's not that he's taking a lot of hits; he's just taking some big hits, mm-hmm. and it is ultimately something he's going to have to learn to protect himself with. Whether it's in the pocket, whether it's out of the pocket, whatever it is, he's going to have to figure out a way to not take so many of these big hits um, because obviously the physical toll is is a is a big deal. Like you, you don't want your quarterback taking a big physical toll. I think I don't. Did you talk to a player who said? I mean, you just brought up the Pittman thing. I don't think I talked to a single player who was like, "Nah, it's fine." It's fine if the quarterback no. gets hit a lot.
1: No, not at all. I mean I talked to let's see Michael Pittman Jr., Drew Ogletree, Josh Downs, Colin Grantson, on and on. And they all had you know, they were impressed that he, you know, self reported, you know, the brain injury symptoms, but they were they're yeah, they all were about talking about how he's just gotta find a way. They've got they have to find a way to protect him. And yeah, just that that's going to just become at the forefront. And none of them I don't think any of them are also going to say that he should stop running because and that's I want to be clear that's not what I would ever advise either because I think you have to use a guy for what he's great at. The the reason that you were drawn to him and uh especially right now when you don't have Jonathan Taylor, like that is a necessity to build an offense that's going to work. Uh but there is a balance to it and it's um, it, well, it's he, a, has, it's a he has the two
0: longest carries of the season, maybe more than that. Just to, just to underscore your yeah. point. Like, he already has to the two longest carries of the season.
1: What was interesting is that the moment he went out of the game, or how should I say this, at the moment – I believe this is at the moment he went out of the game, he had 71% of the Colts rushing yards this season. That's obviously shifted because Zach Moss ended up having a very nice day today. Um, ran for like 88 yards. But uh, But, yeah, that's just – that's what – that's what he was going to bring. He's the high upside runner. Right now, you think about this backfield, and Zach Moss did play very well today. But he, the way he played well, is the way that he's he's going to have to play well, which is pretty good vision, finishes through contact, just a stable, quality, you know, NFL starting running back. Uh, but he's not he's not a burner. And there were moments where there was a carry that Zach Moss had that we were talking about where he got the edge. Braden Smith really sealed the edge, and he got like five yards. Like that—that's the Zach Moss experience. Whereas, a Jonathan Taylor turns the corner, and who knows? He could he could keep running all the way. So, it, it, we hear all the time it's about finding explosive plays. So, how does this version? How does this team find it without number twenty-eight back there? Anthony Richardson and his running is probably the best shot you have, at least in terms of creating enough of a threat to where eventually they can start to do things like you know run play action and only face, you know, a safety in the middle of the field and that stuff's going to open up some of the explosive pass plays, but they don't have any of that built. We've not seen them really attempt that at all as of right now in these early stages. Anthony Richardson running the ball is the most lethal thing that they have in the offensive, you know, Arsenal, and so they have to find a way to use it.
0: We're going to get into the categories here in a second, but I just want to, you know, a lot of people were asking like about the severity of the concussion. Um, what his outlook is for a timetable, that kind of thing. Um, I I can't stress this enough. Those aren't things that we can guess at. It just doesn't work that way. Um, it's it's dependent on a five-step process. He has to go through a five-step process. It is uh, symptom-limited activity, aerobic activity, football-specific activity, non-contact practice, and then full-contact practice. Now I know what you're thinking real quick, when he's a, he's a quarterback, he's never in full contact at practice. My understanding is that there are protocols and things that the NFL can use as a substitute for getting hit. Um, it's what they use on Saturdays. If a player is in a red non-contact jersey on Friday and is uh, progresses to the fifth set, part of the step on Saturday and then plays on Sunday, it's the same stuff they use. Um, so there, there is a way for them to get that. Um, there's a way for them to do that kind of thing, but like He could, in theory, be cleared, but in terms of predicting it, there's, there's absolutely no way to predict it. Uh, I just, just, to un- just to underscore why there's no way to predict it, um, I've seen players come back in a week from a concussion. I've seen players come back in three weeks from a concussion. I've seen players who were trending towards coming back, got to the non-contact point or the full contact point, and uh, ultimately ran into a roadblock and had to go back further and restart it all over again. While I'm covering the NFL, I've seen guys at, at all stages of this. There's just no way to know. The symptoms are not predictable. They're not the same from person to person. The the length of time is not the same from person to person.
1: It also depends on their individual history with previous. Yeah, there, there's injuries. just there's
0: no way to predict it. I'm not going to try. But that's that's how he gets back to play. Is he has to go through the five step process. Um, I know I know with an injury you want a prediction and a timetable and I'm generally conservative on those anyway but even more so with concussion because there's just there's just not a way to, there's just not a way to predict. it. Um, moving on to the categories uh, this is this is what we've we've done to sort of focus the first impressions podcast hero of the game. I know Nate's been thinking about this. Nate was thinking about this at dinner. So I am I'm, I'm expecting him to have some of his categories
1: uh, locked up. <laughs> Uh honestly I'm going to say the hero of the game is Anthony Richardson for self reporting the symptoms because I thought that was incredibly interesting the way that and noble the way that that played out he honestly won a lot of respect from teammates and of course they're going to say the right thing when a player's going through this but think about the moment that he was in here where he had his first career start last week and you know he runs out there for introductions and Um, Runs through the smoke and has this moment, and and he played pretty well. But they lost the game, and you know, and it was he played well, but it was you know he didn't have high upside moments really last week. This week he comes out, and they are just they're steamrolling. I mean, this was going as well as this could possibly go. His first road start, second career start, they're up fourteen nothing. He's run for two touchdowns. Like the Texans had no answer at all when he was running the ball. We later saw they had no answer when. Zach Moss was running the ball really either. Like he was going to run away to a monster day that he's thought about his entire life. And nobody comes over to him and says anything about, you got to get checked. This is very different than a week ago. Drew Ogletree, you know, got speared in the head by Jaguars defender. And immediately a spotter says, you got to check the guy out. He stood up, he's wobbly. There's nothing ever like that with Anthony. And what I gathered is that, you know, he came out there for two more series and. He didn't feel like he was throwing the ball, seeing the field the way that he's supposed to, the way that he, he's just not feeling the way that he needs to. Uh, that's when he sort of noticed it. Is he had and I went back and looked, and he had a couple. You know, it's hard to of course tell with a player this young, but he had a he had a couple errant throws in there, uh, threw behind Colin Grace a little bit, just didn't time that one up really at all. Threw very low to Josh Downs. And he comes over and he tell, and he's talking to those players and he's saying, like, he, he just didn't feel right at all in that moment. And Drew Ogletree said himself, like, that guy was going to have a monster day. And he said, if that was me, I, would, I, don't, I don't see how I would have pulled myself out of that. And so they were, you know, kind of taken back by that. And Drew Ogletree later said that, you know, watching that hit and watching that play out, he was glad he didn't play today just to give himself that extra rest. That's something Anthony Richardson taught you know, a teammate of his, and it's just, it's impressive awareness, because what Anthony's done is he's, he's said a lot of the right things, and that's always been impressive, but we were always going to see kind of, how does that actually play out, what are the actions like in the heat of the moment, and you had this moment where he's, he's off to a great start, he's dueling C.J. Stroud, you know, it's 14 nothing, so they're off to a great start, but the game's obviously nowhere near over, and he just, to, I, I think to have the self-awareness to back up what he talked about all week, which is I've got to protect myself better. I've got to be safe and to step back and say, like, I need to do this for my health for the sake of this team, for this franchise. I just thought that was a really self-aware moment from a 21 year old rookie quarterback that nobody in that locker room would have blamed if he just played through it because, you know, that's what you do when you're fired up and you feel like you're here in this moment and you're playing well, uh, it just was kind of impressive to me to see a player self-report. And that's kind of why like we we need – the NFL's made some nice changes at the concussion protocol, but one thing that still has to happen is kind of changing that stigma a little bit where it is noble for uh, these football players to step back and, and look for their own health when they can or others look out for them rather than just tough it out because with an injury like that, um, we've seen many times it's very dangerous to tough it out. So I thought that was pretty aware.
0: I, I, think, I think that over the last couple of years, I, I think that I've, especially with the Colts, I think we've seen a change, um, you know, in, in the way concussions are reported. I, I, I do think that players know the risks now, um, which was obviously a very big deal for, for players of an older generation. Um, they didn't realize it. I mean, nobody did. To be fair, like, a lot of the concussion research started happening at, like, 2003-ish, 2004, like, early 2000s is when people started to realize the real long-term effects of it. But, I, I think about, like, the Colts have had several players in the last, well, in the five years that I've covered them, six seasons that I've covered them, where they have, we've not known that they were hurt, they played the entire game, and then on Monday... Um, previous coach Frank Reich would say, "Well, this person developed concussion symptoms after the game; they've been placed in the protocol." I mean, I, I think that that's, to me, that's a sign of progress. That's not the thing, sort of thing that I think would have happened in the past. Um, Richardson self-reporting it, what we had from the locker room where everyone said, "Yes, that's the right thing to do to self-report," is is also something that I think is maybe a difference in the way it would have looked in the past. Now, is it perfect? Obviously not. Like this, the. But I do think that the awareness has gotten to a point where players do know, like, you don't want to have this. You don't want to have repeated concussions back and over, over and over again. Um, and I thought, was talking to Zach Moss, and he said, like, you. He said, he, he said, like, you do understand, like, as a player with concussions, that you have to take them seriously. Um, he said, just as a player, you kind of know yourself, which I will say, like. This is I, I, you don't ever want to f- compare like your own personal experiences, but like I I had one when I was playing high school football and I don't know if I was like I didn't take myself out of the game. I don't I have no idea like what I was thinking then because my develop my symptoms developed later um, and like I can't even compare it to Richardson's like I don't know if I sensed that something was different. I don't I don't know any of that stuff. You know, some of these, some of the players who have them, I think probably don't realize that it's going on while it's going on. You know, that's these—that's the thing about concussions that we were talking about at the beginning—is that they manifest themselves in different ways in different people all the time. Um, but I, I do think that there has been progress there. Self-reporting is very good. I, my my hero of the game was Shane Steichen. Um, I thought that one of the things that you saw from him was not just that you saw. Some of the – like you saw the quarterback draw, which you expected to see from him. So, you know, a lot of creative ways to get quarterback out on a draw. Um, but then you got to see the really fun play um, that, uh, you know, you were talking to Michael Pittman Jr. and found out, like, this is something he's been harping on. He knew this play was going to work. Um, where you get everybody going at one way on an end around. If you watch that play again and you watch the defense instead of the Colts offense, you can see basically everybody except one corner suck over. And the one player realizes what's going on, and Michael Pittman erases him with a crack bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get... I, I kind of like that Kylan Granson is out as a personal lead blocker. I like that, too. Because, like, they got most everybody going the right way, but there's somebody out there in case there's some other backside guy. Really fun stuff. Like, so you got to see yep. his his run, like, what he can do with a running quarterback. One of the, You know, part of the reason that they hired him, like, the, the, the evolution of his offense. And then also, you know they were rolling offensively uh, Richardson goes down and they come in, Gardner Minshew comes in and directs two touchdown drives. And I think that that flexibility and adaptability, which is what to me is the hallmark of Steichen's offense is more so than anything else is that he is willing to do whatever works. And and a lot of coaches say that, but he seems more open to actually doing it than most. Um, Like, the fact that it was seamless, I do think the passing games were similar in terms of what they were trying to accomplish today. Um, so I don't know that that was a huge change with the game plan. But just the fact that he was so seamlessly able to go, we've got a new quarterback in, I'm going to call it this way, and get two touchdowns on a field goal before things started to slow down in the second half. So Steichen, Steichen would have been mine. We'll, we'll go to the next one, which is your pick for villain.
1: We'll let you go first because I'm still trying to process how you pick the villain when they win. <laughs> I get confused by this <laughs> game sometimes
0: <laughs> Well remember remember, I said, last, I said last week That villain is It's not necessarily somebody actively doing Something to hurt the Colts so You gotta look at it like an MCU villain Where their intentions are good It just may not have been the best thing They may not have gone about it in the best way uh, I, I think that the Colts Cornerbacks Specifically Darryl Baker Jr. Had a very rough day today um, yes, I I think that honestly you could have seen this coming. In fact, I think if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me talk about it a lot, uh, about the fact that you if you're going to start two undrafted free agent corners who are in their second season, you are going to have some lumps. There were some lumps today, and it came on a day when the pass rush was really good. Like the like, okay, th- was the pass rush like Denver Broncos against Carolina Panthers dominant? No, um, but they had six sacks against the, I, I don't even know what to call the Texans' offensive line. <laughs> uh, with Tunsell out and the re- and Titus Howard out and other players out and the guard playing left tackle and all the stuff they had going on. Like, Here's the thing. like, Obviously, yes, you should get six sacks against the line, but I think Colts fans probably remember some games, if they think about it, where they were supposed to dominate somebody up front and didn't mm-hmm. in recent history. And they did. Like they, they had six sacks, and they came in big moments. Strip sack
1: that set they up a touchdown. They had the strip sack
0: that set up a touchdown. They had third down stops. Quinny Pay's sack took them from maybe going for it on fourth down to having to kick a field goal because they were on the twenty. Uh, DeForest Butner sack ended the game. Jake Martin sack, I believe, ended another drive. Like these, these were drive-ending plays. The defensive line played really well, but they also gave up, th- I think, three hundred eighty-four passing yards, and a lot of that had to do with. It was a rough day for Darrell Baker Jr. and for for some of the rest of the secondary. Against against the receiving core, I must say that is also similarly not decorated.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not the greatest receiving core, and that is the the pass rush did did kind of save it because, man, I gotta say, like I as a side note, I I was so impressed with C.J. Stroud today. Uh, you know, you, I, my my big thing is I like to celebrate good Are football you making players. Making unsung hero pick. Um, Yes, probably. So I'll save that. But I'll go with uh, uh, tying into yours with the villain thing. I'm actually going to have a slight twist to it. I'm going to go Gus Bradley for the villain. Oh, my. Just because in that moment with Darrell Baker Jr., and it, it got to the point where CJ was going at him again and again and again and again, and it was working, and it it's like there was no adjustment whatsoever. And I think the big reason there was no adjustment is that Clearly, they don't trust what's behind Daryl Baker Jr. any more than him, which would be Jalen Jones, who, you know, was a seventh-round rookie that mostly they're, you know, they're trying to develop on special teams. This, to me, is the problem with making Juju Brents a healthy scratch. And I understood it a week ago when they did that, and and you know, and it was he missed Friday's practice, and at that point had practiced very little. He got a full week of practice in this week, and the idea that you just can't find any use for a second-round pick—I mean, we're not—we're not watching the full practice, but he's not dealing with an injury right now. Didn't deal with one last week. Uh, if you're to the point where he can't help you out when the starting cornerbacks and undrafted free agent who will struggle this much with at times with guys like Tank Dell and Nico Collins, like to me, this is why you give yourself options, and it and it. I'm using Gus just in terms of the adjustments on game day today, but also the urge to kind of move him up. And I'm going to tie it back to something last season where I just feel like this is repeating itself a little bit, where a year ago they didn't play, they didn't want to play Isaiah Rodgers at all in the first couple of weeks. And he was active on game day, but he, he got like zero snaps to start the sneeze, start the season out. And they were playing Brandon Faison. And there's I just think there's a little bit of rigidness and stubbornness to sometimes how Gus will use, the outside corner spots and what it takes and what they have to show. And I just think sometimes it gets overthought where in the moment you need options and you you need to be able to go to someone else when something just clearly isn't working. And in two straight years we've seen him just, I think, stick by a cornerback getting roasted time and again. And they're lucky it didn't cost them today. But if the Texans, you know, the the one shot they had to come back was throwing at the outside cornerbacks. And I, I just think he could have adjusted a little bit better.
0: I talked to Ron Miles about Juju Brents earlier this week, and he he was very adamant that he's coming. Um, he just didn't have as much time yet as those other guys. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, I I will say this: like it sounds like coach speak. I think, but if you were there in the interview with me, which it was just me, there was nobody else there. But like <laughs> he was he was he was pretty forceful about. There's nothing else there. Stop trying to find it. Um, like, it's just the time on task. This is, I'm just giving you what the, what, the, what, you know, the reporting was from, from Myles. i It'll be interesting to see how long this lasts where he's inactive. That's, that's what I'm sort of, because at some point, at some point, it does stop being about, like, he only played two weeks in the entire offseason in training camp. And it does become about, you know, okay, he's been on the field. We've, we've seen him on the, like, he's been on the field. It should be time for him to start making plays. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just making the point that, like, like, look. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you. Right, what right. What I'm doing
1: is I'm telling fans what Ron Milas, who's yeah. the defensive backs coach, said. And I just want to clarify. I, I am nitpicking for sure with Gus Bradley. That's why I phrased this in the beginning. It's hard for me to pick a villain when they kind of rolled today. So, like, Gus Bradley's. Look, I think he he does a really nice job here, and he's he's been a great fit since he got to Indy. The one quibble though I have has just been on how he's. Kind of use that outside corner spot and the rigidness and the this a little bit of stubbornness with it and so I just I'd like to see having talked to Juju Brents on Friday I thought he was going to be at least active I didn't know how much he would play because he got that full weekend he was feeling good going into the game it just was a very surprising decision to me unsung hero are you sticking with Stroud I'm going to go with C J Stroud um, obviously would not be a hero for the Colts but I just I was really impressed with the way that he handled everything going on. <laughs> Four backup offensive linemen in there. I mean, they moved a guard to left tackle. Early in the game, I thought, I don't know that this guy's going to have any chance to do anything today. And he ends up with 384 yards. And it just was impressive to see kind of the way that he would uh, just perfectly place a ball on the sidelines where only his guy could get it. But it was right on the sideline to where you know no defender can make a play and there's room to make the catch. There were moments where he would throw down the field like legit air yards more passes further than any Colts quarterback has tried this year. And not only would he get it to the receiver, but he would get it so perfectly in stride that he could, he could run and and get yards after the catch. I just thought he elevated a group of wide receivers that frankly, I'm not super impressed by with the Texans. And he just did not have a lot of help to do it considering how bad that offensive line was. The fact that he was down the entire day. And uh, you know, it's just, I, I, what's unfortunate, there's many unfortunate things with the Anthony Richardson injury. One of them was I think it would have been a very fascinating duo or duo between two quarterbacks drafted, you know, in the top five to divisional opponents. We're going to see this many times, but just how both were in, in their times playing today looked excellent for very different reasons. Anthony was running the ball, design runs, all this stuff. C.J. that the criticism on him coming out is that's not his game. He's not the design run guy. But the thing that he was supposed to be good at – is what he calls himself a ball placement specialist. That was incredibly on point today. And I also thought he just showed a lot of poise for being down as much as he was behind a line that you, you just could see a rookie completely crumbling. And so to come out with 384 yards, two touchdowns, and really, if the Texans don't miss a field goal late in the game, you know, may have had, you know, a chance to make a little bit of noise in a game that, that should have been a laugh or I was, I was pretty impressed. Please send all emails upset about Nate
0: choosing an opponent for Unsung Hero to his email address. Uh, I am going to stick with the Colts uh, for my Unsung Hero. I'm going to go with Samson Ebicom. Um He had he admittedly he had a kind of matchup that you're supposed to win today uh, against Josh Jones, who's a guard by trade. Uh, he's not a tackle. He's playing left tackle, um, but Ebicom was he he destroyed him. And right off the bat, too, he had the big sack right at the beginning. Dio Dangbo punched it out. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to be talking about Samson, but a big game, a big game from him. Um, unsung villain. Moving on to the unsung villain. I I'm going to go here. This is very unsung. After a game where the offense looked that good, offensive line had too many penalties. Now, one of them. One of them. I the the, the Quentin Nelson false start. I'm gonna put that in air quotes. You can't see me doing it because I'm on a podcast. But, like, the 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 mechanics of the draw offsides and false start issue, I I have trouble with sometimes. Like, because a guy did jump in front of him. That's that one. Um, that one seems more like a. But there were like, Braden Smith was penalized on two consecutive plays at one point. Mm -hmm. Um. They had an eligible receiver downfield. Like, there were just a little bit too much penalty issue from the offensive line for me uh, on a day when the offense generally looked pretty good against the Texans defense. But it just, that's that's my unsung part is like, they, the offensive line has to clean it up.
1: Yeah. And it's the same for me, is that this is obviously this didn't factor in that much. But I'm going to go with the special teams. Just haven't been super impressed by them so far this season. There's some natural change happening. New special teams coordinator, not having Ashton Doolin hurts. Uh, you know There
0: were definitely a couple punts today that I thought to myself if Ashton Doolin's here, it's a fair catch.
1: Yeah. And it's that mix of Rigoberto Sanchez is working back. You know, they say he's fully healthy, but it it seems whether it's rust or what it is, timing it up with his gunners, new gunners, I don't know. He hasn't been fully there you know the the new gunners jalen jones has a ton of talent at it but he's still learning it i just i feel like they're giving a little bit too much cushion on the returns they're not punting the way that they used to they're not preventing the returns the way they used to and then just not just no real impact that you know bubba ventron's units were, were just so known for impact so no disaster moments from them you know they you know they made their kicks and all that and it's so it's not not a huge alarm yet but i felt like that was an area where they let the Texans just creep in just enough to support CJ Stroud and start to whittle away at that. And it's just something I'm looking for in in tighter games. That's where you really tend to feel that phase of the game. And so, you know, two games so far have not been – you know, they've both been double digits by the end of it, but they're eventually going to have a really close game, and I think they've got to be a little better there.
0: Number of the day, which this one is difficult. You do not have a stat sheet in front of you. Number of the day. I'm going with – and I, I, I know this is mean because I'm taking one from you right away. I'm going with 11. 11 is my number of the game that is Zach Moss's touchdown run. It is also, I believe, the longest carry by a running back this season. Mm, true. Um, which, Zach Moss had a good game today, 4.9 yards per carry. Definitely took advantage of the holes that were there. Uh, at some point, you're going to want more than that. Mm-hmm. Maybe Maybe it happens next week, you know. This is, But this is also a Texans defense that was, at, at at for most of the game, down to its fourth and fifth safeties. And, uh, you know, just outside of Richardson, would like to see the running backs get a little bit more oomph. Even on a good day for Zach Moss. I thought Zach Moss had a good day. I'm going to write about him uh, on Monday when you guys are probably listening to this. But, uh, you know, just a little more oomph from that position. 11 is a good long. It was a good run. Still waiting for like a 20. Uh,
1: Yeah, I think it sums up Zach Moss a lot, where he's a good back who I don't often think we're going to say is great because of that lack of home run hitting ability. And there were a couple moments that there was one play where I thought they they really had it blocked in the middle. It looked like a huge hole. He got four or five, and I thought it was a moment where Jonathan Taylor's there. Maybe he makes one guy miss, and it's explosive. That same stretch play I mentioned – I think was was a similar situation. So, yeah, good day for him, but but there's some meat on the bone. Uh, my number of the day, I'm gonna go with eight, which is the losing streak that the Colts just snapped. It's an eight-game losing streak, and that may, <laughs> may surprise us because we like to sometimes erase last season out of our memories. Uh, but they ended the season with seven straight losses, and then you know, loss of the Jaguars and. I think it's fitting that it ended against the Texans because they had two games against the Texans last year that bookended the season that was really kind of summed up a lot, just the weirdness of it the and just how that, that team just did, just missed the mark, you know, not beating a team that ended up picking second in the draft uh, and going winless against them. And so they faced the Texans, you know, what part of this losing streak, faced them in week 18 in a game where, you know, they give up a fourth and 20 and you know somehow they're still not able to win that game so it just was nice to see them break that and not only like break it emphatically like there was no doubt that they were the best team outside of kind of the late push from cj stroud like that they went out there and they dominated a the game and and hopefully made some people forget about some of the pain of those eight straight losses but um i think it's just nice to see them win again it's it's different and and hopefully some of the fans enjoyed it too um
0: yeah, I think one of the other things is just keep in mind, like, yes, this is a bad Texans team, but they tied this bad Texans team and then lost this bad Texans team last year. So that's sort of an add-on to my uh, hero for, for Shane Steichen. And bad
1: they are, I will just say that, granted, the offensive line issues today maybe maybe knocks this down a little bit, but, like, those two guys that the Texans drafted in the top five Quite impressive so far. Will Anderson didn't necessarily have the big day today, so credit the Colts for that, but he did against Baltimore. Really flashed against Baltimore. And then I thought CJ made made a lot of plays today, but that's just where rebuilding teams are. Like Colts and Texans are both going through it. The Texans, there was some optimism locally that they'd be better. They don't necessarily look that way so far, but it does look like a team that found you know, a couple of really intriguing players in the draft, and so it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. Game day observation. This is the interlude where we we
0: just kind of look at the experience. My my game day observation is that uh CJ Stroud is here, Will Anderson is here. Texans fans are sort of here, kind of here. Not really here. It was not it was not a full house. I will just say that. It was uh there were some gaps in the uh there, there were some uh, people dressed as chairs today. Um, not much, not much tailgating. There was there was a little more than like a couple years ago when we came here in the winter and the like Deshaun Watson stuff was still going on. This is and and they were really really bad. So there was a little bit more, but they just this is a team. Texans as an AFC South franchise are going through it. They are they are a team that people do not care much about right now, and you know maybe maybe Stroud's thing helps it today. But the, my game day observation was. For the second game with a new quarterback, there should have been more people in the stands. Yeah,
1: I'll back you up on that. It's also it seems like they're just very late arriving fans too. So the ones that came, it just it, they just come kind of late. And I don't, I don't know. I get like two years ago, I got, I got why like this franchise was just not worth their time, frankly. But right now, when you draft, when when they go out there and they sign a franchise legend like D'Amico Ryan's to be the head coach, they draft C.J. Stroud, they draft Will Anderson. There should be some buzz for the home opener even if this is maybe the only game maybe it doesn't last maybe like I've just I've been around so many teams grew up around the Cleveland Browns covered the Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears like usually like those fan bases even when they know they're likely going to be terrible find something to get excited for it's time for Texans fans to embrace some of that too because why else are you why else do you have a team you know three pure football hold fans. on I got one game day one oh okay um <laughs> Just tweet this out. It's just, it's just from a great photo that uh, that our photographer Jenna Watson got. But a sign from a Colts fan in this game said, "Ban Ursay from X." #Hashtag Justice for JT. Uh, it's probably not the most popular sign with, with some fans that maybe are siding with the team. But uh, I just, I did think it was creative to uh, <laughs> to 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 build that around the specific you know storyline of of the things that. Jim Mercy has said on the X app. So uh, props to that guy for a sign that I had not seen before. I The Colts are perfect and they have never done anything wrong as an
0: organization is the response you're going to get to that.
1: Oh, I thought you were saying that's your opinion. No,
0: no, that's, that's the, that's the response to get to that. Um, three things, three football things that gave me joy. Number one, the very first play, the very first turnover, Samson, i uh, comes, uh, makes the sack, but 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 that's not specifically the football thing that gave me joy. The football thing that gave me joy was Dio Dengbo punching it out, and also, more like in addition to Dio Dengo punching it out, I the view I saw of the replay, it looked like Quiddy Pay was also trying to punch the ball out despite he definitely was despite being behind an offensive lineman, <laughs> like that's fun. Like everyone's going for the ball that that's that's a fun i i have said before many times pass rush stuff like i prefer i love pass rush um and so just seeing all those guys just taking their swings at it when they get a chance to was is is a football thing that i i, I enjoyed
1: and i saw rodney thomas doing that too in a different place so i will say even though i made him the villain kind of half-heartedly i'll give I, I gotta give gus bradley some flowers there like that teaching point is showing up a lot right now, and, and why not? They gotta, they've got they got to create some turnovers with this young of a secondary. Number two football thing that gave me joy, uh, DeForest Buckner
0: getting to sack Stroud on the last play of the game. Um, I, th- I can't remember if I've said this. I usually try to joke a little bit with Buck in the p- in the post-game press conference, and I w- it was just me and him, and I was asking him questions today, and I was, like, I was like, you had to get in on the sack party, right? He's like, oh, you can't have a sack party without me. And he got on the very last snap of the game, and like <laughs> – Um, you know, six sacks today for the Colts, but like, he's obviously the, the engine, he's the most consistent player in the pass rush for them. And I, you know, I I do think on a day when there's five sacks or six sacks, he said, he said the other thing about it was, um, that made it so satisfying was that, and this is obvious, this is going to happen to him all season. I think he knows this, but it was slide protection to him all game long. They were looking for him, trying to keep him from getting free. Everybody else is getting a sack. Uh, he didn't have one, and then he gets it right at the end. Um, I I love I like watching DeForest Buckner play football, uh, and and him with those big condor arms, the Quetzal, Quetzalcoatl arms. Like I said last mm, week, yep. uh, running down C.J. Stroud was was is a football thing that gave me joy. Do you have a second one for you? We can go big and pinball these back and forth. Yeah,
1: I do. Um, I'll say. There's a play where Anthony Richardson's under pressure and he moves the ball to his left hand and just fires the ball out of bounds. That's a good one. With incredible velocity. I know you were going nuts I'm, about I'm it. I'm very
0: disturbed by it. It's it was the
1: replay. Me. This the, the smoothness with which he even decided to do it impressed me. Like it wasn't like a let me say this. We've seen other Colts quarterbacks in the past try things with their left I hand. I don't know who you're talking about. That we're not we we're about as coordinated as I would be trying things with my left hand. This was the opposite of that. And not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but that was also the moment after, like, while he was dealing with the symptoms. So how he managed to do that, I have absolutely no idea. But that's, like, that's that's just one of the fun things about Anthony he does in ways big and in that way kind of innocuous things every game that you're just like, how how did you physically manage to even – come close to pulling that off i i wasn't going to put that in there because i'm not it didn't bring me joy it
0: disturbed me i don't i don't <laughs> get it like i'm i'm right-handed i can barely do anything with my left hand like i can Same. dribble i can dribble a basketball with my left hand um i can make a layup with my left hand yeah i can do that i cannot swing a bat left-handed to I save can't my right. life oh that's not even like remotely in the question Uh, Like I can't do most things with my left hand, Um, so seeing him throw it from inside the hash mark, out of bounds with velocity, I just that's it's I might not be able to sleep tonight. I'm very concerned that about the the nature of his left arm. Yeah, like is is he hiding like? an equally proficient throwing arm in his left arm? Like, what's going on there? This is very good. Wouldn't it concerning. be
1: awesome if he was, like, ambidextrous, like, just equal Like arms. one of those pitchers who throws with both hands? And he could just, like, that's just part of the trick is you don't know when he's going to switch that hand and what he's going to do. Oh, I'm not ready for that. Uh, I don't think I could handle that. You could scramble. Like, you could have him roll out either direction and he would just use the other arm. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not ready for that because then we would have to
0: keep track of his completion percentages with both hands. Oh, his, yeah his attempts downfield, like, as fun as that sounds, I actually don't think the stat <laughs> companies would help it out with
1: us, and I think I would have to do it. We'll put Nat Newell that on might that. Be, that so might Nat Newell much. is our stat guy. I'm just going to sign him up for that. I know, but he
0: likes Pro Football Reference. I'm concerned that Pro Football Reference wouldn't tell us which no, handy through. you got to track with. it. I think, I think I might have to, like, actually track it. So let's, just, just as a plea, it did not bring me joy. It, it scared me. I'm scared. <laughs> That he can throw like I'm sorry to give you nightmares. My third thing that brought me joy was just I really like on the the second touchdown by Richardson the idea of the personal protector lead blocker for the quarterback. This was something that – so this goes back to when I was covering Auburn and they went to the national championship game with Nick Marshall and Trey Mason. They were essentially running like a zone read like on literally like half the place. And as teams figured it out and started keying on Marshall, one of Gus Malzahn's – uh, wrinkles or additions to it was he would use a H-back or someone as a protector for the quarterback uh, to to get anybody on the backside who was there. And it was just fun to watch the Colts use it today. I also like that on the play, everything is going to the left. Everything is going to the left, but Granted is going to the right. And instead of like just going to the right he stayed very close to the offensive line making it harder for the defense to see that he's going back that way I just really really liked what Granson was asked to do on that play in the way that was that was written up
1: yeah and the one thing I'll add to that play was talking to Michael Pittman Jr as you referenced he was the one talking about just how much Shane Steichen raved about it he called it his baby he said and, and we asked, like, you know, we hadn't really watched the replay yet, so we asked, like, well, what, what was your role in that? And he said, oh, I had to block the linebacker. Yeah, he had and, a crackback. Well, and he said, like, I just didn't want to screw it up. And, man, he undersold what he actually did. Like, he destroyed that linebacker. And it's one of the rare moments when Michael Pittman kind of underplayed it. So I think he was legitimately nervous about what it was going to be like to, to look at Shane Steichen if he didn't. Do exactly that on that play, and he uh, he delivered. That linebacker is very upset with his corner for not saying anything. Yeah,
0: I I don't not we weren't in the Texans locker room. No one said that to me, but he's definitely very upset. Very upset. upset.
1: person who's been cracked back before. <laughs> um, the one I got I got another one though. Um, oh, you're
0: going with a bonus.
1: Yeah. Well, we're pinballing, so it's no, no, no. Can't.
0: You just you just used one.
1: Oh, I was just adding. It's like yours. a genie wish. All right, you have another one? No, I don't have any more. Okay, I, I got come another up one. Three. I got one more. Um, Kylan Granson scored his first ever touchdown today, but it was kind of weird because they had, you know, they initially called him out of bounds, and then they reviewed it, and then they, you know, after the ball is back with the ref and all this, they came back and they said it's a touchdown, and so he was <laughs> disappointed that he didn't get to do anything fun with that and how drawn out it was. And I said, yeah, but I mean, it was you had to be thinking about this for years, your first touchdown. He goes. But you wait. When we get the second touchdown, and he was already planning it out, where he's talking about sneaking a bottle of champagne and hiding it in the goalpost to then pull out and shoot into the stands. And while he's saying this, Mo Alley Cox said, I'm just letting you know I'm not paying your fine when you do that. (laughs) So just a fun moment that that they got to have. And and that's why I brought up the snapping the losing streak. It's been a while since guys have been able to have – fun moments like that in a post game locker room so that that was funny my
0: my bonus is L A cox's angry run i i, I don't want to get into one part of it because it's a player was hurt on the play but it was a very angry run it was it
1: was intense i'll just
0: say that uh too much blame too little blame they're back into the or not no nope, this is too much credit i forgot we have not done this when they were winning this is too much credit too little credit too much credit for today's oh yeah, win so there's no blame at all um yeah, we shift this. Ca- this category can shift when they win. We just didn't know that. We haven't had to do hmm. it before.
1: Too much credit. Oh, huh. I don't know. It seems. I think the credit was seems like a fair, out evenly. Fairly well done. One. I mean, if I had to pick one, it feels weird to say. It. I guess I would say the pass rush only because of what they were up against. Um, Actually, I'll I'll go this way. This is kind of weird. I'm going to say the Colts as a team because I think it's very easy to look at this. I've seen some people, like, by all means, enjoy the win today. It's exciting to get back in the win column. I would just not go too far to feeling like they've moved somewhere within the AFC, that they've somehow upped it as a team yet. I think we need to see more of that. The Texans are still pretty bad. Uh, (laughs) Yes. I mean, yeah, that's true. Like let's today a lot of things were Texans ish and uh, and again it's their jobs to go out and beat them and they did so so give the Colts credit for that but I don't want to give them too much credit I'm not ready to say that this team's you know gonna contend for something we got to see a lot more than that uh, too much credit for me
0: uh, this I again I'm, I I hate to keep harping on this because I thought Zach Moss actually did have a good game I promise I'm going to write about it I, the run game was solid it was not. With Richardson, it was dynamic, and it was solid without him. But they, they, they could have done a little more, you know, just in terms of running out the clock in the second half. Gardner, yeah. Gardner Minshew himself said, "You know, I felt like we had. I was happy with the way with the momentum we had coming out. We had good drives." And he said, "I was a little bit, He said he was a little bit pissed that. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say pissed?" I'm good. With it. Um, he said he was a little pissed that they uh, decided, or that they didn't play, that they, they didn't cash in as much down the stretch. And so I think, I think in a game like that where the running game obviously is supposed to sort of so, like salt the game away. What's the Steichen quote? What passing? Uh,
1: this is run how you know. Run to score, throw to win.
0: Run to. Sc- oh wait, no, throw, throw to score, run to the win. win. Ah. There was a chance in the second half to run to win, and they. They kind of did. I mean, I, the, the Texans never really got close because of some of those big pass rush plays. But the, the offense could have done a little more. Rush mm-hmm. offense could have done a little bit more. And I think part of that was that Zach Moss has no help. I mean, I think you pointed this out several times but in the, in the press box, but there were no other running backs that had cat- carries. That's like
1: Not we, a single one. We went from talking all about running back by committee. There, there is no committee. There's one, one guy's a committee, and that's Zach Moss. That's your committee. There is a grand potentate his name is Zach Moss at this point. Uh, <laughs> um, you're right. I, before we – I want to just – we talked a lot about Anthony and his his health and how much we're you know, hoping for the best for him. I just want to say the same goes for Ryan Kelly, who is dealing with the same deal. He's in the concussion protocol. It's going to get very overlooked because Anthony's the headline, but, but Ryan Kelly's, you know, the captain on this team. Uh, their NFL NFLPA rep, longest tenured member of the team. Went through a lot last year, so – um, I, I feel like he deserves a little shout out too, and you know like everyone, if you follow me on Twitter, you kind of know I, I I take a little uh let's say I, I take a little personal with some of the brain injury stuff, so I always really look out for players who are going through that, so uh best wishes of good health to Ryan Kelly too. Too little credit.
0: I'm going to take this one first. okay. Will Mallory and Josh Downs True. I was not expecting to see Will Mallory making two catches in a game this early. Just kind of way his offseason went. It's been a very honestly it's it, it's been a little bit juju Brentish in terms of his injuries and how he wasn't on the field. Two nice plays from him. Um, one of them was a coverage bust, but like he knew it. He knew. Like he was you could see him as he broke past him, like start to like really lose it and be like, "Minch, you better throw me this." Um, and then Josh Downs again, just you know the way he moves, the way he finds spots in the zone, just some good stuff from those receivers, from those young, from those rookie receiving guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Will Mallory, I did not expect to, frankly, even see. Um, he really got. Now they just decided to give Drew Ogletree a little, a little bit more rest. He was ready to go, uh, health health wise. They just wanted to err on the side of caution, so that was why Will Mallory got to play, uh, and, and he cashed in. Pretty well. Uh, as far as mine, I'm gonna go. I guess Bernard Ryman. because it, I like this one. The more you don't notice him, to me, that is a reason to be happy. Uh, pretty good pockets for the most part. You brought up the penalties with the offensive line, but he—I don't think he got whistled for one. Nope. So he, you know, he's absent of that. And we just haven't noticed him, which is what you wanted. Also, we did not—I did not notice a lot of Will Anderson, who is a guy that was really wrecking things against the Ravens. Who looks. You know, he was a top-five pick. It just looks like he's going to, I think, make a lot of noise against a lot of teams this year. He didn't do that today. And, you know, that mattered. It especially mattered once, you know, once Gardner Minshew came in. That's like a situation where, like, you know, he's not going to carry the whole offense. Guys have to kind of deliver, and you have to kind of deliver him a pocket because he's not at his best throwing on the run, I'll say. Uh, so shout-out to Bernard Ryman, though, for – for holding it down for a second straight game one to throw away
0: something that's going to come out of this game that is going to be get too much play should be taken with a grain of salt
1: i'm going to say that the run game's just completely fixed uh because i still think i think there's two things happening here number one the texans are still rebuilding they had a nice game against the ravens a week before jk dobbins got hurt in that game but i it they were a really bad run defense last year, so we need to see that more against other teams before I'm willing to say that. Also, while Zach Moss, I, I do think he helps the team a lot, he's still an injury away from us being right back in the spot they were you know, everyone was in a week ago, where it's Deion Jackson and Jake Funk and you know the same problems of a group that ran for twenty five yards against the Jaguars. So I wouldn't take anything for granted as far as the health of a backfield, especially when really they're pinning it on one guy right now. And again, I, I don't I hope everyone stays healthy all the time. That's but you just gotta be aware of reality of what can happen here and Jonathan Taylor's out for at least two more games. We'll see if he ever really comes back. But I think they're still kinda playing with fire in that backfield right now. I would not assume that it's just all fixed. On
0: X Twitter, this is—I this is—I'm going to be honest. This isn't a real storyline. I'm just cherry picking it because I want to be, because it annoyed me. Um, I saw some people who said uh, that they think Gardner Minshew should just be the quarterback.
1: Mm. Glad I didn't
0: see that. Like, where 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 have you been? What 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 are we doing here? Like, (laughs) they drafted Anthony Richardson fourth. Gardner Minshew is a career backup who had a moment in the sun with Jacksonville and struggled with the Eagles' offense last year. And you, you just want to give up on the number four pick because he's left two games early? Come on! I I get I get on X Twitter that like we're I think that's yeah. what I'm gonna call it now X Twitter X Twitter um, that's I get that on X Twitter we're trying to say like the dumbest stuff possible. But come that's on! That's why it,
1: it feels a little straw man because that's so out there. Like, grow up, Count Chocula, <laughs> come on! Like
0: this, that's just, can we not do that? Don't send me that and ask Joel. Next next time.
1: Yeah, if anything, honestly, looking at this game, I was just more excited about what more Anthony could do. I wanted I did, to. That's the uh, other thing. It's not like he's been bad. Like, I, I wanted I to I watch a no full idea. game of this. I have no idea where that came from. He was running. He's twenty
0: nine. I think he's twenty nine of forty seven, passing. Which is on track to be more than sixty percent completions, and, and he has one turnover. He has seventy-five rushing yards on thirteen carries and one turnover. What? Yeah, that's stop. That's bizarre. People who say that. Okay, and this is this is the, those were the ones to take with a grain of salt. Mine was with like mine was worse than that. Like mine was like, please just stop. Um, but this is the one that like something to go on something that's going to matter the rest of the season that we're going to continue to talk about
1: uh cornerback issues I think today was the first real sign this season of that being a big problem uh you know last week it felt like Trevor Lawrence Calvin Ridley it was just kind of great players doing great things and I do think the Colts cornerbacks played pretty well that game but They're not going to be able to do it every game. I mean, these are the guys that are starting on the outside are two second year undrafted cornerbacks who came into the year with, I believe, 174 career defensive snaps combined out of everyone available at that spot, and they all belong to Dallas Flowers at the very end of last season. Like, you're just asking to have at best ups and downs you hope there are ups within that but they're going to be growing pains i feel like gus bradley and ron Miles have been very upfront that that's going to happen at times this year because they're so young because the position is so hard and we're going to see them go against more elite quarterbacks elite wide receivers uh today i think was a, a real sign of what can happen when they're not you know when when they're not playing their absolute best and no one brings their absolute best every game so i I would say they brought their a game against the jaguars today i don't know what it was maybe it was maybe this was their worst game of the year but i don't think it's the only time that they're going to have some issues because they're just so young out there they haven't seen a lot of these things it's a confidence-based position and there's moments like this when a quarterback and a passing game can get rolling and it's hard to get them out of it and again like we'll see what juju Brunts can end up bringing they haven't felt like they're ready to play him at all yet through two games so I just think these outside cornerback issues are they're often going to be a storyline with this team
0: that's a good one I'm kind of jealous of that one the one I'm going to go with is um, Anthony Richardson protecting himself I I'm not saying that it's that I think that at this point that Richardson is always going to be battling injuries I'm not saying that at all what I do think is going to happen is that people are always going to be talking about it, whether or not it's a storyline. I think it's in the fabric of the fan base. Um, and I under understandably. So I, I, I won't mention the nasty four letter word that starts with L, <laughs> although I did just kind of do it. I did just kind of mention it. Um, but like, I, I think that that's, I think that because of, of what happened there, people are going to pay even closer attention to it than they might with another rookie quarterback. I think we're going to be talking about it a lot. I've been kind of circling around like a story about it for weeks and just not really feeling like we'd seen enough to like go on it. And I'm still not entirely sure because that first – like him leaving the first game, the game was kind of over. Like it wasn't – I don't know. I don't know if it was like – he he wasn't really on the injury. He wasn't on the injury report, right? It wasn't
1: a real injury. It was like yeah,
0: like it's it's holding that against him feels over trumped up to me. But like I I do think that we're going to be talking about this just because of how much he's going to run, uh, some of the hits he's going to take. Um, just thinking back through some of those other quarterbacks, I think this is always going to be a thing. And I think I think it understandably. I want to stress that understandably for people who've been around this team a lot, covered this team a lot, I think it's it's top of mind with a young quarterback. So I think that's something that's always going to be a topic. Sometimes when it's when it's correct that it's the right topic and sometimes when it's wrong that it's, that it's, not, it's not the right topic, people are still talking about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're going to play 17 games a year and just there's so many things that can happen. There's moments like today, Anthony thought he was just going to waltz into the end zone and there's just somebody who is... MJ Stewart at backup safety, trying to make a play, trying to make an impact. They're they're fast enough in this league to be able to, you know, you can't run away from them all the time. So I do think it's going to be out there. There's going to be moments when he's not even trying to run away where he's just dropping back in the pocket, and he's going to get hit sometimes like all quarterbacks do. So uh, it's something that his playing style will make more of a risk. It's always kind of a risk out there, but it's it really – it is gonna. It does keep you up at night sometimes because of just how much it matters. This league is all about that quarterback and what, uh, you know, what the quarterback can bring you. We've seen, as an example, we've seen years where the Forty ers go to the Super Bowl, or NFC Championship game when Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, and years they win six games when he's not. So, um, Anthony Richardson has a lot more upside than Jimmy Garoppolo. Ultimately, if he hits the ceiling, it's gonna be a lot more important. To his team, I think, but I think that's that's always going to be a risk of, and part of his profile, and it's something like it, it. always has been. That's the thing too, is that he senior year of high school, you know, he had a uh, you know he had a major injury where he you know he missed a few games at the end of it, uh, and he had that his second year at Florida, uh, first year non-redshirting, you know, had a, had a few different injuries. So it is just part of the risk, and it's something they're going to have to manage the best they can. Colts win thirty-one to twenty today.
0: I almost said thirty-one to ten because it did feel like it was like that. It felt like it was more of a beatdown than it. Than the score actually said. Uh, it gets tougher from here on out. The two and zero Ravens yeah. await. They're two and zero, right? Yes. Scott Van Pelt, Van PZ's on in front of us, and I'm still having trouble remembering which games ended which way. Um, but you've got the, the Colts have have a road trip to Baltimore to play Lamar Jackson next week. Then they have the Rams, who look like they're probably better than people were expecting. Uh, mm-hmm. The week after that, it's it's it gets tougher from here on out. I, I I agree with you. I don't I don't I think the Texans might be bad.
1: I think this was the week to get the win out of the way, because um, yeah, it's it's gonna. I think they're gonna at least what will change is they're gonna get to much more experienced offenses and passing games, schemes, all of that stuff like the lamar jackson next week you know and then matthew stafford and sean mcvay the next week so the tests are going to be there in bigger ways than they have been so far
0: for the Indy star i'm joel a erickson i've been joined by nate atkins this is the first impressions podcast we'll be back midweek with a look both back and forward and i'm sure about what anthony richardson's prognosis is at that point (laughs)